If we do not have faith, we become ruled by fear. When we fear we believe fate runs the cosmos and what will be will be. How much fear the individual will experience is uncertain but it can and does become overwhelming. This would be less troubling than it is were it not for the consequences of living in unending and oppressive fear. When fear overwhelms a person, as it invariably must, the person gives up, spiritually, becoming a fatalist. Life itself takes on an absurdity. It ceases to mean anything because the future has no meaning. The fatalist become obsessed with the problem of dealing with fear. But there is no solution. Fear is all-pervasive. This is the source of depression. Fatalists at a certain point in their spiritual collapse is ready to do anything to stop the paralyzing fear. But fatalists are rarely totally devoid of moral qualms and a sense there is a right and wrong. To make some actions that are morally reprehensible requires fatalists to develop a psychotic break with reality. They may become inhabited by voices representing their fatalism or giving voice to it. The actions of their alter ego may serve as a way to communicate their break with reality. The serial killer may simply be attempting to explore the absurdity of life in attempt to discover if it makes any sense at all. This in no way justifies or lessens the actions a person does. Insanity in this frame of reference is akin to a child explaining why he stole the cookie. The explanation will never make sense except to the person articulating the justification. Madness has to be understood as another addiction. If becoming addicted to alcohol, porn or drugs does not make sense, neither does the addiction to making money or causing pain. But we have to ask why do these addictions seem legitimate to us? Why is greed and drug and alcohol addictions an accepted feature of the human landscape? Why is pedophilia becoming normalized? More and more youth are being criminalized without anyone seeming to think this might not be normal. But then if we are fatalists our response may be more about adjusting our expectations than about dealing with an encroaching evil. We are aware of the fight-flight response and how deeply embedded in the autonomic system. The child is mostly insulated by threats though being totally dependent on its parents it can only respond to insecurity with a fear response. Hopefully, over time, it will come to trust the environment it is in and have faith in the reliability of its parents. But risk is never eliminated and often the training is more about the child adjusting to the reality of evil than about strategies for its elimination. Fear is always accompanied by fatalism. If there is a response to fear, the sense of risk no longer exists. The best solution to fear is to find a way to eliminate the risk associated with it. But if there is no way to moderate the fear, then fatalism is the only response. One accepts the risk exists and there is always a chance one's fears will be realized. Fear is always represented by a risk or threat, from which we get threat assessments. How much risk does the threat actually represent in terms of potential harm? Liberals see threat as physical damage or harm set in the future. The greater the more potential harm and the more immediate the threat, the greater the risk. Liberals respond to risk in physical ways. They acquire armed protection property and money. Power is simply property applied to the behavior of other people. Liberals use power to impact the activity of others usually to assuage risk in some sense. The managers and supervisors and other authorities ultimately exist to reduce risk in some aspect of the power merchant's life. Powerful men, at least those who are liberals, are fatalists but gamblers. They think they have the power to stave off the inevitable. 
There are even those who think that by the use of AI or cryogenics they can cheat death, which is for them simply a physical event. Naturally their greatest fear is that in the end they will be faced with the utter absurdity of it all. If the liberal fears anything more than death it is life after death and the realization none of it meant anything. Physical fitness, performance records, wealth and property and sex, added up all came to zero and perhaps, less than zero. Perhaps they spent their entire life protecting and enhancing a life that was not worth the life of a goldfish. Imagine driving around in a convoy of six limousines filled with armed guards and security devices to protect the life of a goldfish. Imagine if value could be turned into something one could see, so the entire product of your existence came down to a pile of sand on a scale, and there was your life, lived as a billionaire power magnet who once ruled nations, distilled down to two or three grains of sand. People tend to think of the book of life as filled with emotional responses. People expect to gain points because they felt sorry for a child or donated some money to a worthy cause. If we do things that make us feel good we think that this means we gain favor in the eyes of God. But do we think sympathy in assuaging the hunger of a man for a few hours gains us eternal glory? Value cannot be so fleeting. To have value recorded in the book of life requires real value be created. But what creates real value if not emotion? Are we rewarded for amassing wealth? God tells us the rich man is rewarded on earth by his wealth. The fact that a person became president does not earn him points in the Lamb's book of life. The currency of heaven is faith. And faith is not a feeling nor is it expressed in works. The problem with works, as helpful though they may be, is that technically they do not require faith. Indeed, works are often calibrated in terms of assuaging the risk charity represents. We give to the church in the way we invest in the stock market. It is quite possible to pick up the check, toss a beggar a coin or give a flowery eulogy all the while despising those who were the object of our good works. We may even prefer to give to charity as a way of avoiding the need to trust the other person or engage them in a meaningful way. We are saved by faith, not by works because faith precludes justifying ourselves by means of the world. No amount of terraforming will change anything of importance. What we need to change is ourselves. We know that but we do not wish to understand its implications. If all we do is engage in self-improvement we are engaging in a form of works. If we learn new skills and hone our abilities to their highest degree, we are working on our body. We are saved by faith not by works is not a testament to the glory of God but a doctrine about how to enter the kingdom of heaven. We are saved by faith because faith is not the assumption or gamble God will do it all. We are saved by faith means stop relying on works. Focus on faith. If God told us that we are saved by good posture not by good hygiene we would change our focus and our behavior. But to be told we are saved by faith seems to have been taken as an invitation to engage in a fatalistic attitude. Are we to assume we can keep on sinning? If not then what is it meant to say we are saved by faith? If sin means we are not in grace then we must do the work of not sinning. Is this a contradiction or an irresolvable dilemma? What the problem is, is that Christians appear to think faith is a work done by God. We are saved by the death of Christ on the cross and his forgiveness of our sin. But then we must do the work of baptism and the penitence prayer. Yet, by this thinking the cross of Jesus is made of no effect by our sin and our lack of works. So, something is wrong here. 
If we are saved by grace not by works what does it mean when James says faith without works is dead, mentioning the works of man are counted as faith. The criminal on the cross exhibited faith and was saved. It is said he did no works but his faith seemed to give him merit in the eyes of Jesus. Are we to assume that God saves those who he wills almost as a random process and once he has saved us neither our sin or faith matters anymore? These problems are easily solved with a different understanding of faith. Instead of narrowly interpreting faith to mean a positive acceptance of Christ, think of it as trust in those who represent Christ, namely his church. If faith is defined by the trust we have in one another, then these passages take on a different meaning. We, the church, is saved by grace. This gives us a better understanding of Matthew. Matthew 18 verses 15 to 19 Moreover if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. It is our trust of our fellow believer that marks him saved. The grace of God is upon the church in the power of granting salvation. People come to Christ through the preaching of the gospel and the gaining of sanctification in the rites of baptism and the sinner's prayer. We are not saved by faith but by faith. We must trust those with the power to save us by the grace God has given the church. It is not the works that save us but our membership in the body of Christ. Still, it is by our works within the body we are known, not by claiming the status of Christian, not by loud protestations calling on the name of our Lord. Faith gets us into the church and saves us by the power of our faith that builds up the body of Christ. Salvation is through the church and the church is a body built on faith, not like hermits in isolation but like a true family, the family of God.